Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. This is Jason Gableman from the Cowan Energy team. And on this edition of the Cowan Energy Transition Podcast Series, we're pleased to be talking with Tim Wucher. Uh, he's Shell's CCS lead in Canada. Tim has been at Shell for 20 years, mostly working at the Scottford Upgrader and Chemicals Plant and also on the Quest CCS project. Shell has a target of 25 million tons of carbon capture capacity by 2035. Uh, it currently operates the Quest Carbon Capture Project and is participating in a number of other projects, including uh, Northern Lights, Portos, Net Zero Teesside, and the Houston CCS Hub. Uh, with that, Tim, welcome, and it's, and it's great to have you on with us. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into your real-world experience with Quest, uh, it'd be good just to have some background about your career at Shell. Sure. So I'm actually experienced hire, had worked previously in the Exxon world and in a first small Canadian chemical company, chemical engineer background, uh, joined Shell in 2002 um, at Scottford, uh, started up their upgrader, uh, worked through their business planning, production planning world, went, uh, did a little bit of uh, time up in oil sands, came back in 2012 to uh, what we now know is Quest, and um, was fortunate enough to to work uh, the Quest project through the construction phase startup, and then now working on uh, the next uh, phases of CCS here at Scottford, uh, uh, known as the Polaris project. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to hearing a bit more on Quest. Most of these discussions have been focused on future projects, so it's good to have someone with real world experience on an existing CCS project. And with that, maybe we could turn to Quest and uh, was hoping you could provide us some background on why it was developed, technology used, the cost structure, um, just some broad context on the project. So yeah, so the origins of Quest actually go back to the mid 2000s. Shell had been uh, uh, through, through its own endeavors in CCS technology, been looking at ways to decarbonize it, its uh, operations. We had been looking uh, actually at the time back in Holland through Berendrecht project, as well as a couple of other places. But um, at the time when we were um, majority owner of the oil sands operations, the Alberta government here actually put, put forth a, about a $2 billion Canadian fund for proposals that they would evaluate uh, that would deploy CCS in its various forms, uh, like Quest, where it was a pure capture and storage. Uh, there was also one that was that was successful, but then backed out, which was uh, CCS on power. Um, and then there was one that is in operation today, which is capture from a new refinery, a chemical plant. Uh, and transport of the CO2 to a CO2 EOR operation in, in central Alberta. Um, and so that kind of spawned spawn it. Quest was successful um, and was able to obtain uh, $745 million in that uh, Government of Alberta funding 
um, all done through a competitive process. And actually, believe it or not, all all that funding uh, was uh, basically performance based. So we actually had to hit predetermined milestones in, in order to get it. Uh, we looked at our hydrogen units here that uh, um, produce a, a, a lot of hydrogen, but emit uh, a fair bit of uh, CO2, 2 million tons a year to be exact. And we looked at the pre-combustion technology, which is a gas processing technology. Um, as its way to start and then uh, looked at different options for transport or different locations for transport transport and then ended up in the current configuration where there's about a 60 kilometer uh, pipe 30 about 36 miles long 12 inch uh, to three wells just north of uh, our operations here at Scotford. Got it. That's that's great. Uh, you mentioned government incentives. How, how important were those to getting the project over the over the finish line? Well, at the time, Alberta did actually have uh, a small carbon price, uh, $10 Canadian per ton. But in order to get that infrastructure going and, and to, to really make this a, a good proof point, uh, that that funding was was significant. It was really in, in order for CCS to to happen in Canada, you also need the regulations in place. And I think the funding really was was that form of commitment with with our partners at, at the time marathon and chevron uh, now cnrl um to to really take forward ccs and, and and to show that you know that government is is serious in supporting uh ccs as one of those large decarbonization tools do you just keeping on with the government incentives do you see that as a important factor in the future development of carbon capture in Canada and if you have comments on the on the broader landscape as well well I think what we're starting to see today is is that sort of incentives are, are coming in different forms um, there there are grants our, ours was through a funding mechanism that was all kind of uh, performance based you are starting to see carbon prices pricing in different parts of the world in Canada and Europe in particular and even 45q in the US start to ramp up where there's there is that form of incentive that can be created to to monetize the co2 capture uh, there's countries looking at investment tax credits and, and interestingly enough we're, we're starting to see some uptake in certain industries where uh, other companies or customers are prepared to pay for lower carbon products that are derived uh, via CCS. Yeah, you mentioned um, the uh, the uh, carbon credit in Canada. Can yep. can you just talk about that program more broadly? And there's a there's a um, low carbon fuel standard as as well. Can can you maybe just provide some context on on each one of those? Yeah. So. Back in 2008, the Alberta government put in place, um, and it's gone through a variety of name changes, but basically a mechanism where if there was some sort of CO2 removal, um, an entity could generate um, a, a CO2 credit, if you will. In our case, through, through CCS, um, CCS can generate an offset credit, and that was given kind of a a fairly firm price with some flexibility that you could essentially trade. And, and how that worked is, is the Alberta government gave some thresholds to which the 
various companies in various industries had to decarbonize. So basically lower their CO2 footprint, their CO2 emissions. And if they weren't below that by a certain date, then what would essentially happen is you would have to, to buy either pay a tax or, or buy a credit to off, offset that, that emission. And so that's what CCS uh, was, was there to do is, is to reduce emissions and generate that offset credit. And, and since that time, um, since Quest took FID in 2012 through to now, that, that carbon price has actually increased from about $10 per ton. It went up to 15 and now is, is at 50. Uh, Canada uh, nationwide is looking at a clean fuel standard, something similar to what's in California, uh, for all fuels that are, are used, gasoline and diesel fuels that are used um, in Canada, whether they're produced here or not. And, and associated with that, there's, there's going to be a, a, an increasing benchmark to which to uh, reduce our emissions. Um, and that we are expecting by 2030 to actually hit the equivalent of about $130 US per ton, which, which uh, actually does uh, provide a, a good uh, incentive for CCS in that environment. Got it. Got it. Is that something that you would or that Shell would invest in CCS kind of spe speculatively before the carbon price hit that level if you saw it trending that way or, or, or how do you think about I guess the evolution of the carbon price yeah, relative no, to, yeah. No, that's, that's a good question. So I think for us, how we're positioning Polaris, which is which is the next phase. So Quest was, was done on the upgrader. Uh, Polaris is the capture from our chemical and refinery. So the refinery does produce a significant amount of fuels used in Canada for gasoline and diesel. And what how we're looking at that approach is, is we're expecting that clean fuel standard to come into play by the end of this year, possibly early next. And that would be, I think, our confidence that we would start to see that carbon price increasing. Um, we've in Alberta, we've seen various governments come and go. We've had some challenges to whether or not they even wanted to keep CCS legislation in. So I think we're starting to see there, there's that improved confidence that um, carbon price will stick around. And therefore, if we get this clean fuel standard regulation uh, in place, that should give us the confidence we need to take a investment decision in Polaris and then go and uh, work to, to building it. Got it. And, and I do want to dig into Polaris a bit more, but before doing that, just maybe focus on Quest for a little bit longer. Can you talk about how the project performed compared to expectations? Yeah, I think Quest is, is one of those kind of shiny moments on, on a project. Um, so, and we FID'd it at about 860 million Canadian, came in at 790 million. Um, in an environment, maybe not as hot as it is today, but, but quite significantly through the two, 2012 to 2014 era. Um, additionally, we came in ahead of schedule by about three months. We're seeing our OPEX lower than expected, so we're seeing some favorable subsurface. And uh, from a performance perspective, we're, we're approaching 7 million tons uh, of captured and stored CO2 um, kind of ahead of what our, our plan was. So we, we had expected to uh, capture and store about 1.08 million tons a year. Uh, we're, we're definitely higher than that uh, north of the 1.1 million ton 
mark. So still still working uh, through it. You know, at the operating unit level, there's, you know, there's always a few things that you have to work through. It went through its first uh, major turnaround last year. Um, got is up, up and running again and uh, survives uh, some of our dreadfully cold winters as well. So, got it, got it. You uh, mentioned the some of the OPEX benefits was related to storage costs. Can you elaborate on that at all? Um, so, with Quest, we store the CO two in a saline aquifer. So, think of it as a as a prehistoric ocean, millions of years very brackish water and it's and it's like rock. Um, once we started to get get the CO2 flowing, we actually found that its porosity or permeability was a lot better. And so therefore there wasn't that restriction that we were expecting. And, and so therefore one of the, one of the big uh, OPEX elements is compression. And uh, we're, we're starting to find some savings in, in that because of the favorable uh, uh, reservoir properties. Got it. That that makes sense. Um, maybe on the on the cost of Quest, there's there's been articles that have suggested if that if Quest were done today, it would cost thirty percent less. Uh, one is that something that's true, and and if it is, can you talk about some of the cost improvements that e either Shell specifically or the industry at large has been able to capture on on carbon capture projects? In in an environment where inflation is hitting forty year highs, I think it's a little bit of a, a tougher story now. But on a 2012-2015 basis, yeah, I, I think there is. I think one of the things we learned a little bit around the the pipeline is I think there was a little bit of uh, uh, over design on that um, versus what you see with CO two pipelines that are in the Permian, uh, definitely. But being a first of being government funded, we wanted to make sure that this this worked. I think there's definitely some savings there. I think we also seen through modular construction. So basically taking construction off site and then trucking it uh, to the site and, and basically putting it together like a like a little Lego toy um, does offer some significant advantages. And I think the other big area that we see opportunities is, is through through scale. So if you, you've mentioned the Houston hub, we're looking at hopefully uh, here in Canada to, 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 do, to do a large CCS hub. When you do scale, there's definitely opportunities to, to get your cost per ton down. So to give you an example of that, the Quest pipeline, 12 inch pipe, we are putting 1.1 million tons a year through it, but it's actually capable of three. So essentially the mm -hmm. next two is free. Um, and it's just, it's just due to the 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 sizing of, of pipe right to go from a 10 inch to 12 inch you get you get that little bit extra capacity um going forward so if you went from a 12 to 16 inch pipe you probably get uh, uh something like around seven to nine million tons a year for for capacity and again depending on on lengths as well but um you know through your compression system through your removal and drying of co2 uh there's definitely opportunities at scale to, to get your cost per ton down were there any other important learnings from the Quest CCS besides the ones that you just mentioned? Um, I think, you know what, with the skepticism that CCS had, I think the big lesson uh, I think that helped governments is actually CCS does work. Now, it's one thing for people to talk about it, right? But it's one another thing to, to show it. And I think with the numbers that I, that I have shared with you were approaching 7 million tons, we were under on 
capex opex ahead of schedule um, these these can be done they can be done safely um, and and it works and i think for for me that's i think when people say what's the biggest lesson uh, not so much for me but for for society and industry is that ccs does work got it um maybe moving to polaris you you touched on the the project and its and its features maybe can can you discuss um the project in a little more detail um what's the what's the thought behind it why does it make ec economic sense um maybe maybe the cost structure of it as well yeah um so polaris is actually there's there's two parts of it so i guess actually maybe to share another lesson uh is that i've kind of taken through my experience and the numerous external engagements i've done is that in order to CCS, you actually have to blend typically two different business lines, a downstream line, typically like refining your chemicals and an upstream business line that knows the subsurface and can work in that, in that space. Uh, and that's what we've done with Polaris is essentially we've been able to kind of marry our, up, our upstream business that has the storage uh, piece uh, and transport uh, as well as our, our downstream the refinery and chemicals. So we're looking to capture about 800,000 tons a year from our refinery and chemicals uh, unit. Um, and the phase, it's gonna be a multi-phase for, for transport and storage, but our phase one is looking at uh, a 12 inch pipe for about 12 kilometers, so about six miles. So quite close to the site, unlike Quest was, uh, with a couple of wells. Um, and that's really motivated on our own emission reduction. So I think the combination of the two from the refinery side will, will achieve about a 30 to 40% reduction in scope one. The chemicals will, will achieve about a 20 to 30% reduction in, in scope one. So a significant reduction on our own, but it's also uh, motivated on that clean fuel regulation that I, that I touched on with where we would expect by 2030, the carbon price to hit about $130 US per ton, 170 Canadian is which, which is published. Um, the phase two, three, four, and five is, is what we've mentioned about getting up to that 200 to 300 million tons of total storage, about 10 million tons a year, uh, and, and working that through uh, industry in, in the area. There's, there's uh, Dow Chemical, there's some fertilizer, other refiners, steel, power in the region that uh, you know we're looking at. To potentially be be that transport and storage hub provider of choice uh, for them um, through through a tariff arrangement, um, basically to cover off kind of opex capex for the transport and storage, um, and they would they would likely uh, monetize that through either a variety of clean fuel regulations or what we expect in increasing carbon pricing through kind of our offset emission regulation here in Alberta as well. Got it. That, that seems like a pretty complex un undertaking, um, establishing a, a, a hub. Maybe, maybe can you talk about the, the timeline for doing that and, and some of the maybe underappreciated complexities in working with and bringing together a variety of counterparties to establish a hub? So for the phase one, which is focused on our own emissions, we're if things go well by mid next year, uh, we should be able to hit a final investment decision with um, having startup late 2025, early 2026. Um, 
pending conversations with commercial partners, uh, we would hope that there's probably about another two to three million tons a year that would be ready for transport and storage by probably about 26, so maybe a, a year a year or two after our, our phase one. And then we, we're kind of thinking a phase three might be a couple of years after that. Um, so really one of the key things for us to, to look at is, is how do you phase that? How do you develop this, this large storage hub um, in an approach that, that also keeps it quite economic without overbuilding too much, but having enough overbuild to keep you ready for uh, the, the future expansions. I, I guess in a way it's it's probably very similar to, uh, you know, pipeline logistics companies in the US and Canada that are moving natural gas and, and oil from a variety, variety of different sources as well. So uh, this is just now moving CO2 to a common sink. Got it. Is, is there a lot of competition from your peers to develop hubs? Uh, I think about other large oil companies with refineries in Alberta, and I would imagine they've looked at doing this too. Um, so just maybe discuss the competitive landscape a bit up, up in Alberta and what gives Shell a competitive advantage and, and makes it well positioned to develop this hub. Um, yeah, there, surprisingly enough, there, there is a fair bit of con, uh, competition. So in this heartland region that Scottford resides in, like I mentioned, there's, there's a couple of chemical companies, there's air products, there's a couple of other refiners, uh, steel companies. And so what we do know from announcements in the public is that there's probably about four other uh, groups, coalitions that are competing uh, with us. Um, and, and, you know, definitely have their advantages in, in their own right. Um, I think for us, you know, having Quest, having been able to work with the provincial government already, um, what we've, we've, well, we haven't announced, but through our partnership with Mitsubishi, we're looking at a, at a blue hydrogen, blue ammonia export opportunity with them to, to J Japan, which I think would definitely be of interest for the provincial government from a natural gas perspective. Um, so, and of course, we're working with an indigenous company, RETI, or, or Project Reconciliation as well, uh, and, and some other partners yet to be named. Um, I think we, we feel confident in what, what we're doing, but again, it, uh, I, th I think we've hit all the, the, the key points that the government is looking for in the hub with our experience with, with Quest, but I, I, we're a couple of weeks away, so we're patiently waiting um to, to see what that outcome would be got it got it um as as you think about the future and the development of carbon capture is there do do you expect the government to, to provide additional support it, it it seems like through the carbon price and and the and the clean fuel standard that there's already it seems like enough support to really um have the space gain mo momentum but but are there other things that as investors and and industry uh, viewers that that we should be looking for well in in canada at least what there there is some talk about in the upcoming federal budget about an investment tax credit for ccs i think between that and and an escalating carbon price those two will help i think um the other the other one as we've 
we've uh, talked a little bit about here. Are there opportunities where, where customers, whether in Canada or abroad, are prepared to pay uh, you know, a little bit more for a lower carbon product, whether that be a typical hydrocarbon derived jet fuel or a chemical? Um, we are starting to see some of that interest. I think people have realized that bio-based chemicals and other products um, are quite expensive right now. Uh, probably there'll be a, a learning curve where that price comes down, but right now they're they're quite expensive and and believe it or not on a on a cost per ton basis for decarbonizing, uh, CCS actually looks looks attractive uh, to some customers relative to bio based products. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely continue to watch that develop. Um, well, well, that's it for us. Uh, so I really appreciate the time, Tim. Uh, this was a very informative discussion. And uh, thanks, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.